0: Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our second scripture reading today comes from Matthew 25. I know you've never heard us read this text before, so it'll probably be all new to you. But it is actually based upon the scripture that we read a little bit earlier from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Uh, they draw on one another for this text. And so, as Jesus lays out the things that we are supposed to do as Christians, realize that these are things that God expects from all people. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left hand. So today we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from our sermon series on God and Art. And I'm going to take this time today to tell you about the new mission for our church. I think this is actually a very fitting day to do this, particularly given what happened in Paris over the weekend. You know, as I watched that occur, all of that atrocity trying to figure out what was going on, I can tell you that the one thought that kept going through my mind in the middle of that was that I hope that those people over there, the people who are suffering from all of this, that they have a community. They have somebody who they can go to in the midst of all of this. They have family. People who they can reach out to who will help them in the midst of this tragedy. And that is what we are here to do for each other. You know, we are here in the middle of times like that to serve those who are in need, to be there for those who are struggling. And so... I'm thankful that I have this community here of people, of family, to be there for me when I am in need. And I pray that those people over in Paris who are struggling with all of this, that they might have family and friends to help them cope through this tough time. And the mission that we are here to discuss today, this mission is designed to serve those in our community. Back in 2014, I laid out my vision for the church. And I was very specific in what I wanted. One aspect of that vision was that we would have a mission that was local right here in our community that everybody could be involved with. Now, I don't want you to think that I believe in coming to this church that I'm the first pastor to ever bring mission to your congregation. It's not like two and a half years ago I arrived here and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm the first one to ever do it. No, it's not like that. I know you all have been doing mission in this congregation for decades, and you've been doing it rather well. But here's the problem. There's a very small percentage of people in this congregation who participate in that versus the number of people who are actually connected with us. We're an 1,100 member congregation. And I know that not all of those people are involved in the mission. And so my goal was to create a mission that is wide enough and deep enough for every single person in our community to be involved in it in some way, however small. And my hope is is that we as a community that we will become known, our reputations will become known as a result of what we are doing to serve others in this community. Now, why are we doing this? Well, we're doing it because of what we read just a second ago. Jesus tells us this is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to serve others, right? I think we're all on the same page on that. Can we at least agree that we're on the same page on that one? We do it because if you're going to label yourself a Christian, this is what we are here to do. And that's why we are designing the mission the way that we are. In order to figure out what this mission would be, because there's so many things that we could do. I got together with 21 researchers, and those researchers, their goal was to help figure out how could we make an impact on poverty in the Chicagoland area. And of course, when we think of poverty in Chicagoland, where does our mind go immediately? Where do we head to? South side. South side, right? And so initially, that's where we were looking. But then, as we did our research, we came to realize that actually, that's not really true anymore. Even though the South Side is where the most poverty is concentrated, over the last 20 years, a pattern has been occurring, which is many of the people who live there, they've been starting to leave. Understandably so. And they're looking for better lives out in the suburbs. But as a result, now over the last 20 years, we find that if you take the suburbs as a whole, there is more poverty right here than on the south side of Chicago. So we don't have to look any further than our back door, right here, to find the poverty that is all around us. Now, we do a much better job at hiding it than the south side, but it is right here. So the people who come out here from the south side, the people who are coming out here in search of a better life, they generally work very low-wage jobs, and they're living paycheck to paycheck. They are barely able to pay for their food and their rent. And if something happens to them, They end up in a situation where they have to go to the hospital, or the food and gas prices, if they go up, or if their car breaks down. Well, they're in a situation where they have to make a decision about what they can afford and what they can't afford. And very often, the thing that goes by the wayside first in these situations is that they will stop paying rent and utilities, because you got to eat, and you got to pay for your medicine, right? So... Once those things start to happen, you accumulate debt and very quickly you can find yourself in this downward spiral and you could be homeless before you know it. And so what we decided was we wanted to make the biggest impact on the working poor. We wanted to catch them before they fell into homelessness because once they're in a state of homelessness then there's not a lot we can do. It becomes much harder to help them at that point. So we want to catch them before they get there. Now, is there one solution to this problem? No. It'd be nice if there was, because then there wouldn't be any poverty, right? We could fix it very easily. But it's not. There's a lot of issues that go into this. And so when we started looking at organizations that would help us be able to serve the working poor we were looking for organizations that utilized a multi-layered approach that's what we wanted to see and this multi-layer approach it used six categories these are six categories that we felt were important they wanted we wanted them to focus on education children and youth we wanted them to focus on employment housing services which is kind of a catch all for when you need something, where do you go to get it? Whether it be health or utilities or anything like that, and then environmental concerns. You need all of those things to be in place in order for somebody to be able to get out of their situation. And we took all of these categories from you all. We came up with these things because of you. You gave us these ideas when we brainstormed about this back in January of 2015. Now, the one that we had the most problem with, I'm just going to be upfront with you about this, was the environment. Because a lot of organizations, they focus on the first five, but many of them, the environments really know we on their radar. And because this was important to many of you, our researchers went out and we found an organization called Faith in Place. They're a wonderful organization. They partner with churches, and their whole goal is they come in and they take a look and they say, here's a way you can be environmentally friendly. And so we thought this was a good way to go forward that if we could partner with them, they could simply advise us on what to do. Now, there's a little bit of a question as to whether or not we're still going to work with them. But even if we don't, we will focus on an environmental aspect. We will not leave that behind. That will be something that we take very seriously. But with that component taken care of, we have the next five to deal with. And we found three organizations that we felt did this extraordinarily well. The first organization was called Faith Community Homes which is an organization that basically helps people who are on the cusp of losing their homes find a new affordable housing, and then they give them a program that they need to work in order so that they don't fall back into that situation again. The second organization that we looked at was called Refugee One. Refugee One is the largest refugee resettlement organization in Illinois. And they work with refugees from all over the world. And the third organization we looked at was called Northwest Compass. And Northwest Compass, they work with individuals and families who are struggling financially and in other ways in the Northwest suburbs. And they help them in the midst of their vulnerability and crisis to get back up on their feet. If you came out to the to the mission presentation. Now, how many of you came out to that just to hear that? Okay, so some of you, this information will be somewhat familiar. For some of you, this is brand new. So bear with me as we go through it. So if you came out, I gave you the opportunity. You heard from these three organizations and you had the opportunity to give your feedback on them. And then I took all that feedback with my mission team and we came up with an idea, a program that we could use here. And we presented that program to Session. Now Session is comprised of a bunch of elders. We're called Presbyterian, right? And Presbyterian, part of that word is presbyter, which is from the Greek, which means elder. So what that means is those are the people who make the decisions in this church. You all don't get to make the decisions. That's what the elders are there to do. And so we gave this program to them. They looked it over. They made some changes to it. And now we have the mission. So you ready to hear what it's all about? All right. So, the first aspect of this, there are two aspects of it. The first aspect is fake Community Homes. So, fake Community Homes, they garnered the vast majority of the positive feedback. 46% of you said that that was who you wanted us to partner with. And so, we thought this was really neat. So, let me give you a little background on fake Community Homes and what they're all about. So, fake Community Homes, they work with families, usually it's single parent families. And they come to them and they say, hey, I'm about to lose my home. So they take them out of their housing. They put them in affordable housing. And the reason why they're usually about to lose their home is because they're spending 50% or more of their income on their housing. And when you're above 50% of your income on your housing, it's a high likelihood that you're not able to save enough money in order to deal with a situation when an emergency comes along. So they get them out of that, they put them in new housing, and they make sure they're only paying for 30% of their income goes towards that. And over two years, they're trying to make it so that through the program, they come out and they're not spending more than 50% again, and they're saving for the future. Now, right now, Bay Community Homes, they sponsor 15 families. We want to add three families to that, so that they're sponsoring a total of 18 In order to do this, of course, the first thing that it takes is what? Money. So, in order to make this happen, the first thing we need to do is we need to sponsor these families. And for every family, it's $9,000 to help them out through the year. So, of course, if you do the math on that one, for one year, if we're going to sponsor three families, it's $27,000. But it doesn't just require money. It requires your help, people, to be a part of this. So, for the three families who we're going to sponsor, every family who works with Faith Community Homes, the parents are given mentors. So, do you remember on that form I had you all fill out? Some of you filled it out, some of you didn't. But if you put, I like to mentor adults, well, this is where you're going to do it. You would do it with Faith Community Homes. In every family, they have two mentors, two adult mentors. If you like to mentor children, they need that as well. So, every child gets a mentor. And we also want to add into it by making sure that these families, they have two or four people who are helping them with transportation. So when you're a single parent, oftentimes it's a real tough thing to get your kids from one place to another, particularly when you're working one of these low-wage jobs. And so we want to help to make sure that they can get their kids picked up into the right places on time. There's also an issue of what happens when your child gets sick. Well, when you're working a low-wage job, to stay home for a day, that's a huge hit to your income. So we want to provide some people who are willing to stay with the family or with the sick child throughout the day, people they can trust, and they can go to work and earn an income. And then, once a week, we want three people to come together and produce a meal, a very healthy meal that they can take over to them for dinner, and that's once a week, we want to do that for the three families we sponsor. But there's even more to it than that. We don't just want to stop there. We want to provide a whole lot of services for these families to enhance upward mobility. Do you know what I mean when I say that? We don't want them to stay in their position. We want them to be able to improve their position economically. And so, in order to do that, we're going to provide four different services. Three are for adults, one are for children. The first one has to do with job coaching. you can't improve your situation if you can't get a better job. And you all have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skills that you can contribute to being able to coach people. And so to help them gain some of these skills will allow them to get better employment. Another place where we need to teach classes is in terms of life skills. So how do you go out and how do you purchase nutritious food at a reasonable cost? This is tough to do. And so we need to teach that because not everybody knows how to do that. You also need to teach, how do you deal with a situation when you're a single parent and you're trying to discipline a child? How do you help them with their education, particularly if you were not taught that yourself growing up? Life skills are very important. Another place we want to help and make a difference is definitely in financial training. So how do you make a budget? How do you save? How do you make sure that you're going to be in a place where you're not going to fall back into this again? And when it comes to the children, a big part of this is we want to make sure that the children are being tutored, that they have a way of making sure that they're getting the best education they can possibly get. You follow me? We're all on the same page so far. Okay. So, all of these services that we're going to offer these families, they all revolve around a family night that we're going to create. Now, this family night, it'll be once a week here at the church, and all of the families, this is not just the three who we're sponsoring. All 18 families from Faith Community Homes will come together and they can partake in these services. Now this family night is neat because what we're going to do is we're going to provide a dinner on that evening and you all can come out to it and what it will allow for is for everybody to come together and be a family, which is what we are trying to do with this church. We're trying to be a family together. So everybody comes out on the evening, we have a dinner, and we provide those services. Now, this is important for a couple of different reasons. One reason is that if you're going to tutor children, how many of you have been through our Safe Sanctuary training in here? Okay, if you have, you know that basically you can't have an adult and a child alone together. And having this family night allows for everybody to be together in one place, and so we don't have to worry about violating any of those rules. The second thing you have to realize is that a lot of these families who work with Faith community homes, they don't have internet and computers like we do. They don't have access to that. And today, if you're a kid, a child, you need that. If you're going to survive in school, you cannot not have that. And so we want to create a computer lab down in the CE wing so that they can have access to computers to do their homework. And that will also allow for us to train the adults who may not have computer skills so that they have those skills so they can find better employment. And then the final reason why we want to have this on a night is so that they can all go through these classes together. I mean, that's a wonderful thing, to be able to support each other and to help each other through these classes as we offer them. So, that's Faith Community Homes. That's what we're going to be doing with them. It's just a little bit, right? (laughs) So, as Session looked at this, we thought, well, this is great, right? We have this great model, something to work with, and... We decided, though, that as we looked at it, because a number of you who had written back, we have a lot to do, but not so much that it's going to include everybody who's ready to work with this mission in the beginning. And so what we decided was the people who wanted to work with Faith Community Homes and with Northwest Compass, we would combine that pool together, and you all would be working for that family night and with specifically with Faith Community Homes. But then Refugee One kind of stood out on its own. And we felt as a group, the elders in session, that we could make a real contribution to some of the refugee crises going on around the world right now. And Syria, by the way, is not the only one. There are lots of refugee crises happening right now. And we felt not only that we could make a contribution, but that we had a moral obligation to help out with these things. And because Refugee One requires the least number of resources in terms of people, and there are quite a few people in here who feel like, yes, that is where I want to help. I want to help out with the refugee situation, that we could do this. And so we open the door to the possibility of working with Refugee One. But i got to put a little bit of an asterisk if with Refugee One. Here's the thing they have to do what's called a feasibility study with us. Now, this feasibility study, they're looking for three things because these are important for any refugees who come over here. They have to find affordable housing, they have to find good public transportation, and they have to have a good job network. Those are the three things they need. So Arlington Heights, we don't make the cut when it comes to affordable housing. There's not affordable housing here in Arlington Heights. And so as a result, I have told them that they're going to draw a circle around us. A 20-minute drive is the maximum amount of time that a refugee community can be away from us. Because any more than a 20-minute drive, it makes it unlikely that we're going to be able to really have a community with them. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? So, if they can find it in 20 minutes away from us, then we will go forward with it. We've given them a green light to do this feasibility study. However... If they don't, then we're going to have to let it go by the wayside. I just want you all to understand that. But if they give us the green light, then we're going to be sponsoring three families who are from we don't know where in the world. They have to decide who they're going to send us. And in order to create a refugee community, you need at least ten families. We can't afford to do all of that by ourselves. So I've already gone to churches in our area, in Arlington Heights, and I've asked, I've said, would you be willing to sponsor other families, one family per church, to get us up to that 10 10 level that we need. And they have said, yes, we would like to do that. So if they give us the green light, if Refugee One says, yes, we can do it, then we have all of these churches working with us, and it becomes this community-wide effort. Now, what is required from us in order to work with Refugee One? Well, as you can guess, money is the first thing, right? Right? If money makes the world go round. So the first thing we need to do for every family who works with us, we have to provide $3,500 in rent. And you have to realize that some of these refugees, the average amount of time of refugees in one of these camps is like 18 years. That's how long they've been there. So when they're coming here, it's not like it's a smooth transition, you know, right into something else. They need time to acclimate. They have to learn the language and we need to give them that time so that they can just get used to being in this new environment. So once they're here, right, they come here, it's not like they're bringing furniture with them as well, right? It's not like they have all this stuff. Usually they have the clothes on their back, and that's it. So we have to provide them with furnishings in their apartment. So what we would do is we would go out and we would purchase this furniture. It's around 1500 to $2,000 per apartment. And so we would go out, we've purchase that, and then we have to put it in a storage unit because we don't know when these people are going to arrive. So when they get here, then we can move it all in to their house. So you follow me on the money part. You're with me on that. Okay, but that's not all we need. We need people. We need you all. And it happens in a variety of different ways. So you all, if you want to, you can sign up and say, I would love to greet the family at the airport when they come in. I have done this. I did this with... Katie Marr, a member of our church, we went and we greeted a refugee community, a refugee family coming in. And it was really a wonderful experience. And so, if this is something that you're interested in, you can do that. Another place where you can help is by going out and actually spending time with the families on the weekends. We need two individuals, or two families, to go every other weekend to their place and to spend a couple of hours, time with them. Because we need to join together, right? We need to form a community. But then we also need people who go out. How many of you like to go to flea markets and check things out? Nobody. <laughs> you're lying. <laughs> I know there are some of you who like to do that. So if you like to do that, we can use your help. You go out, you find some things for the, uh, for the apartments, and you're basically taking this stuff, we're putting it into storage, and then We need a group of people to move it in, like strong youth, right? Who are in high school to move this stuff into the apartment when the time is right. We also need a group of people who are developing a network of jobs. Because as a refugee, it's not like you have connections when you come over here that you can find a job very easily. And so we have to find those connections ourselves. And if we do this, this creates a great synergy with Faith Community Homes because as we find employers who are willing to take refugees, we're going to find better job opportunities for the members of Faith Community Homes. So, how's that feel? Feels okay? If Refugee One gives us the green light, I just want you to know, the cool thing is is that we can also integrate them into our family night, which is going to be a really, really neat thing, but we got to wait and see. So, we've talked about two things that I need from you all. One is time, One is money. Let's go through the time thing just real fast so that you understand the type of time commitments that you can give to this. Now, I'm gonna go from the top and work my way down. At the top of it, just so we're on the same page, the first level is what is called a team leader. Now a team leader, that's six to eight hours a week. There's only about ten people in our community who I know have that kind of time right now, to give six to eight hours a week. But that's an important role because that's organizational. That's the person who gets up there and says, all right, we're going to have all the mentors. I'm going to organize all the mentors, all the tutors. I'm going to make sure we get all the volunteers who are making food. Everybody needs to be organized. So we got team leaders, right? That's important. Next level down is what's called primary support. That's three to four hours a week. Those are the people who are mentors. That means you're a mentor. That means you're driving people around. You're helping with transportation. You're sitting home with a sick kid. You're working with them in that way. Make sense? You're really in to the family. You're with them a lot of the time. The next level down is what we call training support. So training support is one to two hours a week. And that's, you're doing the tutoring, right? You're teaching the classes. You're doing the life skills. You're doing the job coaching. You're trying to help out the best way that you can. And of course, where's that going to take place? That's going to take place at the family night. So when you sign up for this, that's what you're signing up for. You're signing up to be part of that family night. And that's where you're giving your time. And then the final place where you can give your time is what's called background support. That's one to two hours a month. And we need a lot of people who are going to be able to do that. Background support's like, I cook part of a meal for either the family or for the family night. I'm going to help you set up on the family night. I'm going to help with some of the administrative needs of the mission. And we have a lot of administrative needs of this mission. So, even if you can only give one hour a month, That is something that we need to make this work. And we're going to send out an email and a sign-up so that all of you have the opportunity to sit there and say, this is my level, this is what I would like to do, this is how I'd like to be involved. Does this feel overwhelming? A little bit, I'm sure, to some people. All right, but I don't want you to think that all of this is just going to... It's not like January 1st, 2016. It's like, come on, guys, we're going to get a refugee from the airport. It's not like that, okay? We're going to take our time. The first six months of 2016, from January all the way through June, we're just planning. I'm getting together with the team leaders. We're working on making sure that everybody gets trained. If you are going to participate in this mission, everybody will see, receive a little bit of training because I don't want anybody feeling like you don't know what you're doing. Everybody will be trained in what they're going to do. And then... In July and August, we're going to do some test runs of the family night. And then in September of next year, 10 months from now, that's when we're going full speed ahead. So we got 10 months of time to prepare for this. If Refugee One gives us the green light in the meantime, we'll have people waiting in the wings, getting ready for that. And then, of course, we can integrate those people eventually into our family night. The other place or the other thing that this requires from us, of course, is money. So I told you last time that, or two weeks ago, that it would cost around $70,000 on top of our normal giving to get this mission off the ground. Now that $70,000, that pays for all the families from Faith Community Homes, all the families from Refugee One, the computer center downstairs that we need to install, and the family night. It takes care of all of those things. And as I've explained to you before, you have on your card, I know you see them there in the pew, Today is Commitment Sunday, and so you're going to see there's two little things down there. There's a blue, blue field and a green field. The blue field is what you're giving to the general budget, and the green field is what you're giving to the ECO. That's the extra commitment opportunity. That's for the mission that I'm talking about today. Now, I've told you before, and I'll say it again, please don't just subtract. Please don't be like, oh, I was going to give you this much, and I'm just going to subtract a little bit out and give it over to the mission here. We need you to give above and beyond. And the, the number, the level, it's very simple. If you can give $100 per person or $200 per couple, we will hit it no problem whatsoever. So if you can do that, that would be huge for this mission. Today, during the offering, what's going to happen is we're going to have these baskets at the front. And if you can't put it into the baskets... if It's hard for you to get up. That's okay. You don't have to. You can put it in the offering plate as well. But we like this symbol of you coming up and being able to put your commitment to our church in these baskets. And as you come up, I'm really hoping that you will see this as an opportunity for you because this isn't just numbers that you're writing down on this card. You are not only supporting this church, but you are changing people's lives with this money. People here in Arlington Heights. It's right here. It's local in Arlington Heights. And you're going to be helping people all around the world. And so as you come up here, I hope that you'll see that we together, we are going to bring hope to the hopeless. Together, we are going to live up to Jesus' expectations for our lives, as we read in Matthew 25. And together, we are going to choose love, be the light, and change the world. And after you put your card in there, I hope that you will take one of these, because this truly is the motto for our church going forward. And this is what we are living to do. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.